you brought a notepad today. Today is part seven of our series called Make Room. We have started the year with this theme, uh, this foundational idea of making room for God to move. Uh, and last week we made kind of a transition from these foundational ideas about making room into specific areas that we're going to make room for God to move in. And so last week we were supposed to cover making room for God in our prayer life. Uh, and I just got a little fired up and a little carried away, and we weren't able to finish our message last week. So today is part seven of our series, but part two of our message, uh, and we're going to hone in on one specific piece that we saw last week. If you weren't here last week, or if you were and maybe have started to forget, I want to do a very, very quick review at the beginning of our message, a little foundation for where we're going. What we decided last week is we, we declared five areas uh, in our prayer life, five things that we see, hey, we need to do uh, to make room for God in our prayer life. The first one was this, is number one, we just got to pray. So by show of hands, how many of you prayed this week? Start with the easy one, right? Like most of us, hopefully, I mean, at least we prayed over some chips and salsa or something. Uh, we covered that base. We checked that box. Praise God. Most of us were able to raise our hand at that. So we said we're going to pray. The number two, we said we're going to pray more. How many can say, hey, I, I prayed more last week? Than I did before. Man, almost probably a little over half the, the church. Praise God. You guys took the step. You stepped out and you prayed more. Then we said, thirdly, we're going to pray for more. For more. How many of you would say, I, I prayed for more this week, man? I prayed bigger prayers. I believe God for something larger in my life than what I've been asking for. Praise God. Praise God. Then we said, we're going to listen more. Tough one, not the one that comes is easy and is natural. Man, Elliot's already raising his hand. Elliot, listen more. Praise God, Elliot. I love that, buddy. Man, I'm proud of you. The boldness. Anybody else say, hey, I was Elliot. I listened more this week. Praise God. Many of us did, all right? And the last we said we're going to pray in the spirit more. And I know that's a, that's a tough one because some of us don't even know what that looks like or what that means or how that works. Uh, but I wanted to at least mention it to encourage those of us who do. To walk in that, we'll talk more about that. Miss Brenda Hiss, uh, she got her hand up loud and proud and bold. I know some of you have as well. So I, I want to encourage you. This is part two of this message. We're going to hold on to that foundation in prayer. This week, man, maybe, maybe you didn't get to raise your hand on a lot of those. Uh, this week, let, let, let's walk those out. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray for more. I'm going to listen more. And if I understand what that means and I have that ability and that gift, I'm going to pray in the spirit more. And if not, that, that, that's okay. This is not a... A message to, to divide the church or to put people down or condemn anybody. Um, we just want to use the gifts that we have available to us. So today we're going to hone in on the middle one of those points. You might always wonder, hey, what's the most important point in a message? Is it the first one? Is it the last one? How do you decide? Well, this one, it's the middle one. We're going to wrap everything around the middle. So today in part seven, we're going to talk about praying for more. In fact, would you do this? Would you look at the person next to you and say, pray for more? We're going to pray for more. I am convinced that God's people, myself included, oftentimes reduce our prayers to a level that is ineffective. Oftentimes we pray for such basic things, such simple stuff that, that we don't see God move mightily in our behalf simply because we're not asking him. Um, I don't think that we ask God usually for too much. I think far more often we ask God for too little. Oftentimes we do not treat him as though he is seated on the throne, as though he is sovereign, 
as though he has the ability and the power to do incredible things in our life. I'm not saying never. Man, last week we, we did a show of hands, like how many people have seen God answer prayer, and most of us had our hands up. And how many of you have seen God answer somebody else's prayer for you, and most of us had our hands up. I'm, I'm not saying we're never praying big prayers. I'm just saying the enemy's really good at if we can't keep us from praying, he's going to keep us from praying for much. He's going to keep our prayers small. So my goal in this message, more than anything, is to encourage you and challenge you to inspire you to pray for more. To pray for more. What we're going to do is we're going to journey back through the prayer we saw last week in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. In fact, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open there. We, we experienced and witnessed this prayer. We started in verse 1, reading through this, this kind of tedious genealogy with all of these names that... Uh, most of them are unfamiliar. Many of them are difficult. Starts out in verse 1. It says, the descendants of Judah. So this is the tribe of Judah. The chronology of them says Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reah, son of Shobal, was the father of Jehath. And Jehath, the father of Ahamai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. For time's sake and your sake, I'm not going to go through the other seven verses of genealogy. It's just kind of helping us kick, pick up. Where we had left off, so we don't get to shout out Heather's Little Pony again this week. We had to move on from her story. Uh, but, but what we saw is eight verses of names. So-and-so had so-and-so, had so-and-so, had so-and-so, maybe so-and-so married so-and-so. But a whole lot of people who lived, got married, made babies, and died. Nothing else about their life. Nothing else that, 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 that was worthy or deemed worthy by the author of Chronicles to pass on to us. And then we get to verse 9. Verse 9 we see Jabez. Everybody say Jabez. Jabez. Anybody remember what Jabez means? Jabez means pain and sorrow. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So there's a comparison here. In God's eyes, Jabez stood out amongst his brothers. We don't even see here how many brothers he had. But he had some brothers, and he was more honorable. It says, his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. If we named babies the way they named babies back then, there'd be a whole lot of Jabez's running around, right? Jabez would be the most popular name in America because, uh, man, a lot of babies have been birthed in pain. She get, said, I named him Jabez because I gave birth to him in pain. Verse 10 says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that all scripture is God-breathed. That all scripture is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, God, that that all of this applies to our lives, even when it's a list of names that we don't understand. So, God, I pray today that you would speak through me, but, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak directly to our hearts. God, I pray that you would inspire us to deeper levels in our prayer life. God, that we begin crying out to you just as Jabez did, crying out to you for more, that we could look at his prayer and apply it to our lives in such a way, God, that you begin to do new things. 
God, that we would make room for you to move in greater ways in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our finance, in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world. God, we thank you that you are going to do more as we pray for more. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. As we journeyed through the genealogy, we discovered that all of these names that seem so meaningless to us had meaning to God. At first reading, it seems like, hey, they're kind of insignificant. It doesn't tell us anything about their lives. But the reality is the God of the universe inspired someone to write down their name and record it. And here we are over 3,000 years later, not after the writing of their name, but after the life that they lived, we're reading their names. We're again and again printing them. The Bible is the most printed book in the history of the world. Their names have been recorded forever. There was significance to their lives. We don't always know what that significance was. We saw that that sometimes there's a praying grandma, right? Sometimes there's a, there's a praying auntie, there's a praying father, there's, there's somebody who maybe it doesn't seem like God moved mightily in their life, but because of the seed they sowed, because of the, the child they raised up, because of the intercession that they had, there was an impact somewhere down the line. We discovered that, yes, there's a reality that our sins are passed down from the fathers to the third and fourth generations, and that, that stings a little bit. We don't want to think that we're accountable for anybody else's sin, that we're paying the price for anybody else's mistake. But the reality is God designed us in community to where, yes, the, the actions of one are always going to impact others. And so when there is sin, it, it has a ripple effect. It has an impact on those around us, even in three and four generations. But what we also discovered is that when there's righteousness, when there's intercession, when there's worship, when there's somebody who steps up in a generation and says, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to live for him as well as I possibly can. I don't care if, if nobody around me even realizes it. I'm choosing to glorify and honor him. It says that the favor of God, the blessing of God is passed down to a thousand generations again and again and again and again and again. We're walking today in the blessing of prior generations. We are walking in the favor of righteous, godly, not perfect, imperfect people who love Jesus who came long before us. When we first were blessed with this building, we were actually in a passage in the book of John talking about God's provision. Uh, in, in, in our series, and as we're talking about the God who provides, we, we turn to John chapter 4, where Jesus has this conversation with the woman at the well. It's a pretty famous conversation. And in his conversation with the woman at the well, his, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So Jesus sits down and has this conversation with her. Well, then the disciples get back, and the lady leaves. They, they confront her. What are you doing talking to a woman? What are you doing talking to a Samaritan woman? What are you doing talking to a sinner, right? Like, you're, you're supposed to be a rabbi. You're supposed to be a religious leader. You don't have any business talking to this person. And Jesus explains very clearly, yes, I do. I've absolutely got business talking to her. She's, she's mine. I created her. She's made in my image. I love her. And in this conversation, Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, I've sent you to reap where you did not plant. 
that there's a harvest coming in your life that has nothing to do with your labor. Has nothing to do with seed that you've sown. In fact, he says, others have done the hard work. And you are going to reap the harvest for what they have sown. What I believe is that each of us are reaping harvest based on seed that was sown generations before us. That the God that we serve has actually put seed in the ground for us to reap from from prior generations. And, And I believe that's true of us right here at City Church. We didn't buy this land. We didn't build this building. It was a small group of people who had faith to buy six acres of land and say, there's going to be a church here. And man, they raised money and they used their own blood, sweat, and tears to build it and praise God for them. And some of the ways that they built it wasn't always the best. Uh, But you know what? They made it happen. They did it. And so, yeah, there's some stuff we got to correct and we got to fix and we got to get up to code. But man, praise God, they sacrificed, they sowed, they gave, they prayed. God moved us to a place where we get to reap a harvest that we didn't even sow for. It's an incredible God that we serve. Most of us in this room are probably familiar with Billy Graham. Even if you're too young to have heard Billy Graham preach, you've probably at least heard the name and you understand this was, this was a significant man of God. Somebody who I would say is probably the most significant man of God in the 20th century. The, the, the person that God used to lead more people to Jesus across more nations. Um, just a man that God was used in a, in, a, in a mighty, mighty way. Well, we remember Billy Graham. Most of us have no idea who led Billy Graham to Jesus. Billy Graham was led to Jesus by an evangelist named Mordecai Hand. People don't remember Mordecai Hand. But had it not been for Mordecai Hand, how many millions would have missed out on hearing the gospel through Billy Graham? You see, I don't believe it's just Billy Graham's story that's significant. I believe it's the story of the one who dared to speak Jesus into Billy's life for the praying grandma that prayed that he'd receive Jesus, right? Like for everybody's life that God uses mightily, there's a whole lot of other people that God used behind the scenes to press a button, to pray a prayer, to sow a seed, to be able to use that man or that woman of God in an incredible way. And Chronicles reminds us that God moves through generations, that each of these names has significance to God. It's not just about the Davids and the Daniels and the Josephs who have the illustrious stories that, oh, my goodness, I can't believe God moved like that. And we look at that and we're like, God, I wish you would move in my life that way. It's also about the Mordecai hands and the Hezalo ponies and these other names that we don't know all their stories. But God used them to develop something, to prepare something, to birth something that would impact lives around them. We're going to talk today about continuing to make room in our prayer life. We want to look specifically at Jabez's prayer in verses 9 and 10. I want to pull out some things from his prayer that will help us to know how to pray for more. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up right now. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm believing God for some big things right now. The, 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 the buzz that's happening on, on TikTok of all places, probably the most ungodly place in the world for the last few years, is now blowing up with rumors of revival, with videos of young people seeking Jesus on their face before God. We serve a God who takes what the enemy intends for evil and he uses it for good. 
something happening right now. And I'm excited for what God is up to. Jabez, it says he was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Verse 10, he cried out to the God of Israel. I love it. He cried out. Right? This was not a a routine prayer. This was not a half-hearted going through the motions. I'm going to speak and hope that God does something. This was a prayer from his heart. This was a passionate, fervent cry from Jabez. God, I need you to move. God, I need you to do something. God, I need you to respond to my prayers. I believe that God responds to the cries of his people. He cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would bless me. We talked last week about how that may feel or look like like a selfish request. The reality is when we understand blessing, when we understand the way that God blesses people, his ultimate design, we go back to Abraham's story in Genesis chapter 12. God says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all nations through you. In other words, we are blessed to be a blessing. And so when you understand what blessing is, when you understand the purpose of blessing, it's not selfish to ask God for blessing because you ain't asking him just for you. You're saying, I care about the people around me. I'm going to use what you give me for the generosity you pour out in my life. I'm going to spread it to the lives around me. And so others are going to be blessed. So Jabez prays. By the way, Jabez was a descendant of Abraham. He knew the story. He knew the covenant with Abraham. He knew God's design. In fact, the, the Jewish children at this day and age, they would memorize the first five books of the Bible, the, the Torah, the books that Moses had written. And so he knew inside and out what God's covenant with Abraham looked like. He understood that when you ask to be blessed, you're asking that others around you can be blessed through you. And so he prays that you would bless me. I wonder how many of us are praying for God's blessing right now. See, God's blessing, by the way, is not just a financial thing. We often associate blessing with finances. And don't get me wrong, there is financial blessing. God's blessing, in fact, in the Hebrew culture and the, really in, in the, the honor cultures of the East, blessing wasn't so much about materials as it was about words. A blessing was spoken over someone. We go back to a couple generations after Abraham. We have Isaac and Jacob, right? Jacob steals Esau's blessing. What does he do? He comes in and he presents himself as Esau. He wears animal skins, this thick fur, and he comes to his dad and he says, I'm ready for my blessing as as Isaac is about to die. He's going to bless his oldest son. And Jacob steals Esau's blessing as Jacob pronounces the blessing over Jacob that had been intended for Esau. It's just words. For us, we'd be like, man, no big deal. Right? Like Esau is enraged. Esau is ready to take the life of his brother for stealing his blessing. But to us, we're like, you still got your inheritance like that. That's a whole lot bigger deal than what's the dad said over you. But they understood the power of the tongue. They understood that, that the tongue has the power of life and death. And so that blessing was life to Jacob and death to Esau when it was stolen from him. And so when, when he prays, God, bless me, he's saying, God, speak something. 
God declared something about me. God pronounced truth over me that will define my future, that will produce something in me because I know, God, that your tongue ultimately is the one that has the power of life and death. You're the one who speaks something out of nothing. You're the one who speaks and the nations tremble. You're the one who speaks and blessing flourishes in my life. So God, say something over me. Yes, there are material blessings but the material blessings flow from the blessing of the tongue, scripturally, Old Testament, Jewish culture. So he says that you would bless me, and then he says, enlarge my territory. Give me more influence. Give me more area. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Let's dig through this. I want to show you today five things you can pray, five ways you can pray for more. In fact, actually, we're going to make it six. Six ways you can pray for more. Number one is this. I want you to pray for more blessing. See, the reality is, is not that God needs to speak more over you, but it might mean that you need to hear it. God's already spoken over you. God's already pronounced you blessed. He's already pronounced you his son, his daughter. He's already pronounced you a child of the king. He's already pronounced you righteous. He's pronounced you holy. If you are a child of God, if you've received salvation, God's already spoken so much blessing over you that you can't even contain it. But so many of us miss it. So many of us let life define us, circumstances define us, others define us. And we miss out on what God has spoken over us. And so you need to pray for more blessing. You need to pray for more clarity. What has God said about me? Who am I in your image? Who have I been declared to be? And there's massive aspects of that that we share in common as believers, as sons and daughters of the king. There's, there's pieces of that that are going to be unique to you, to your calling, to your purpose, to your responsibilities to the way that God has wired and created you. But what has God spoken over you? Not, not what is the personality test spoken over me. Not, not what have others told me about the way that I'm wired. God, what have you said about me? What have you said my purpose is? God, what do you have for me? Pray for more blessing. God, I need you to bless me. In 1 Chronicles 4.10, it says that Jacob, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. Start praying for some clarity on God's blessing in your life. Do you, maybe you don't even realize that Ephesians chapter 1 actually declares that you are blessed. It says later on that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So you're already blessed. Jabez wasn't. He, he, he didn't have Jesus. This was a different era, a different time. And so his prayers had to look a little different. You've already been blessed. You've already been declared that you've got every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So now it's just, God, let me hear it. Let, 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 it, let it get through and sink into my soul, into my DNA, into my heart. I'm going to show you the blessing of Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. He wasn't even Abraham yet. That name change is coming. He says, I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. You see this connection. I will bless you. 
you will be a blessing. When I receive a blessing, I'm supposed to bless others. I'm blessed to be a blessing. We talked about the joy that comes, the fullness of joy in the presence of God. You know what that is? That's a blessing. You know what happens when you get filled with joy? You're a little more fun to be around. You're a little bit easier to work with. You're a little easier to be married to, right? You're a little easier to, to go to school with. When, when I receive God's peace and I walk in God's joy, that doesn't just bless me. That blesses the person behind the counter. That blesses the other person on Goodman Road that I don't have to flip off now, right? Like, it blesses others because I am blessed. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't even have to be an intentional. You don't even have to set out that, hey, I'm going to bless somebody else because I'm blessed, although we should do that. But the blessings just ripple out. They, they just intersect. They just spill because there's an abundance in my life. It can't help but overflow into the lives around me. We are blessed to be a blessing. So number one, we're going to pray for more blessing, more recognition of the blessing God's already given us. Secondly, number two, we're going to pray for more influence. For more influence. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. I need more territory, God. I need more space that I have influence over, that I can make an impact in. God, give me more influence. I wonder today what your territory is. Not just your property lines, although obviously that's a part of it. But what's your territory? Maybe it's a desk. Maybe it's a cubicle. Maybe... It's an office, maybe it's a truck, maybe it's a boat, maybe it's a factory that you work in. It's some sort of a place you've got some territory. Maybe for you it's a classroom where you pour in to some kids. Maybe for you it's a house where you're raising a future world changer. What's your territory? Number one, I hope that you're making your mark in your territory. I hope that you recognize God has given me this territory to bring Jesus to the situation, to represent the king here. But I, but I also hope that you have a desire for more territory, for more influence. That may be a desire for a bigger family. That may be a desire for your own business. That may be a desire for something totally different, but there's something in your heart. God, I want more territory. I want more influence. I'll tell you some of mine. Praying for a bigger church. Not because I'm dissatisfied with the church God's given me. It's incredible. Because there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know Jesus. And my job, our job, is to reach them. It's to get them. It doesn't mean every person we reach is going to come be a part of City Church, but some of them will. If we're reaching people, they're going to want to be here. There's going to be something life-giving about this place that attracts them. So growing our church is not my goal. Reaching people is my goal. But if we reach people, growing the church is going to be a byproduct. It's just going to happen. So I want to see God enlarge our territory. Not for the name of City Church. Not for the name of Troy South. For the name of Jesus Christ, that he would be honored, that he would be glorified, that he would be magnified, and not at the expense of some other church down the road. I'm not trying to see us, man, let's, this other church over here is struggling, let's go get a bunch of people from there. 
And they're frustrated with their pastor and their leadership. Let's get them all to come here. That's not what I'm talking about. That's, that's growing a church without growing the kingdom. My job, my heart is to see God's kingdom grow. I want to see God's kingdom expand. There's always going to be times where people move and there's situations. I'm not saying people can't come here if they ever went to another church. But I'm saying that's not the goal. That's not the target. The goal is the people who are lost, who are hurting, who are separated from God, who have been de-churched because they've been hurt or they've walked away from the faith. Those are the ones we want to see our territory expanding. In Jesus' name. You don't know how to pray for more influence? Just join me in praying for City Church today. You can can put that in as your prayer. If you don't know what that looks like in your life until God reveals it to you, start just praying that God will help us to reach more people for his glory. Thirdly, we're going to pray for more evidence of God's presence in my life. Pray for more evidence of God's presence in my life. It says that Jabez cried out, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Then he says, let your hand be with me. Let your hand be with me. You see, Jabez lived in a different time, but the Holy Spirit did not live in him. Jesus had not died and not paid the price for our sins, so there was a separation between God's presence and man. And so Jabez didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. We do. So when Jabez prayed, God, keep your hand with me, he needed God's presence to go with him wherever he went. You know, God, I need you to answer this prayer. I need you to go with me. You don't have to pray for God to go with you wherever you go. It's already going to happen. It's already promised. It's already guaranteed. The Holy Spirit is the seal of your redemption. He lives in you and through you as a believer in Jesus Christ. So you don't have to pray, God, be with me. What I would pray is, God, remind me that you're with me. God, make me aware that you're with me. Because there's days where it sure feels like you're not. There's days where I'm completely oblivious. There's days where I feel distant and cold and far from you. So, God, make me aware, just like the song says, right? Let us become more aware of your presence. You can just sing the song. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Just invite him into your day, into your workplace, into your office, into your family, into your neighborhood, whatever it might be. Just, God, I want to be aware that you're here. I know you are in faith, but I want your hand with me. I want you to go with me. We're going to pray for more awareness that God's with us. Fourthly, we're going to pray for more of God's protection. More of God's protection. He says, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. Keep me from harm. I don't know what kind of protection you're praying for. I think a lot of times we pray and we focus our prayers on physical protection. God, I don't want to get sick. Keep me from COVID. I don't want to have to miss work. God, keep me safe, you know, help me to be, you know, wh- whatever it might be. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers. I think those are wise prayers to pray. There are times that we need to put those things before God. But, but I wonder what harm we're not praying against. Harm like temptation. God, keep me from giving in to this thing that keeps tripping me up. God, let this be the day. That I walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ prayed for me to have. That he died so I could be free. So keep me from that harm. God, keep me from giving in to this thing, this habit that I've tolerated for so long. God, let this be the day that I'm kept from that harm. Maybe it's not a spiritual temptation. Maybe it's a lie of the enemy. Man, that the enemy is just using you as his emotional punching bag. And and he's beating you up. And it just seems there's so much discouragement and, and so much frustration and so much anxiety or whatever it might be. God, keep me from this harm today. 
keep me from that. And I, don't, I know that not all anxiety is just a lie of the enemy. Some of it's chemical and some of it's, man, related to stuff that we've gone through. And we need, sometimes we need counseling and we need medication. I, I hope you guys know my heart on that. So I'm not trying to say that, hey, that's just something that, that we can pray away. But I do believe that we need to be praying against it. I believe that we need to be standing against it. We need to be taking authority over it. Um, so God, keep me from emotional harm, from mental health issues. God, keep me from temptation. What kind of harm do you need to be praying against? Every day when I take my kids to school, as we get uh, on the interstate, we, we have a specific point where the kids know it's time to pray. And if I am not like on it to turn the radio down, Judah's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. Uh, so he knows it's time to go before God. And so I, I got to turn the radio down or pause the DVD or whatever sound is going. And then Judah will pray and Alexa will pray or maybe she'll pray and then Judah will pray, but I'll pray last. And I pray God's protection every day over my kids in four areas. So I, I pray God protect them from any sickness, disease, injury, or lie of the enemy that would bring them harm. It's a lot of lies of the enemy. Sometimes they're focused in school. They're being presented to our kids. And so day after day after day, I'm praying God's protection from those lies that my kids will have discernment, that my kids will understand what is from God and what isn't. And I think their teachers are awesome. I'm not anti-public schools. Our kids are in public schools, right? I'm, I'm grateful for those men and women who sacrifice, who are on the line. There's a lot of godly people at my kids' school, and I'm very grateful that they're there. I hope they continue. I hope God raises up more to send into the school. But I also know that there are pieces of curriculum and decisions that are made at higher levels that don't represent who Jesus is and don't represent God's will for my kid's life. So I'm praying to protect them when those lies come, when they come from another kid on the bus or at lunch or whatever it might be. God, protect them from that thing, that they don't internalize that, that they don't believe it, they don't receive something over themselves that isn't true, that isn't God's plan. We got to pray for God's protection. Fifth, we need to pray for more freedom from ourselves. Pray for more freedom from ourselves. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. He said, Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. That I will be free from Jabez. His name meant pain was spoken over him from the first moments of his life. This kid's painful. This man represents sorrow. And Jabez goes before God and he cries out, God, set me free from me. So what is Christianity? Christianity is not the exaltation of ourselves. Christianity is the submission of self, the death to self. That when we lose ourselves, we find him. Jesus says, I want you to daily take up your cross and follow me. Daily. Day after day after day, I got to take up my cross. What's a cross? Symbol of death. The place where Jesus took his last breath. It was a symbol of discomfort, of torture. Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself. The lie of our generation is to exalt ourselves. The lie of our generation is to build everything around the way that I feel, around the things that I want, around the things that I believe about me. 
And sometimes there can be some small benefits in that. But if we're not careful and the church buys into that, we'll never live up to the call of discipleship. The call of discipleship is to surrender myself, to submit myself, to lower myself, to humble myself. Jabez says, set me free, can you? I don't know about you. I could do with a little less Troy in my life. No, he's like, come here. <laughs> I don't know about you. I could do with a little less me. Exactly, less of me and more of him. Jabez prays, set me free from you. That's a powerful prayer. That's a life-changing prayer. That's a prayer that if we'll cry out to God, I believe he will answer it. He will bring freedom. And man, we will be filled with so much more of him and so much less of ourselves. Like Teresa said, it's going to change everything. If I get less of me, it means more room for his joy. When I get less of me, it makes more room for his peace. When I get less of me, it makes more room for his wisdom, more room for his direction, more room for his blessing, more room for his anointing, more room for him to do something when there's less of me. Started this whole series talking about empty jars, right? That, that, that making room actually means creating intentional emptiness. And I can't think of a better way to create some emptiness for God to fill, for God to move, than for us to start praying as a people, God set me free from me. From my issues, from my habits, from my addictions, from my thoughts, from my weakness, God set me free from me. Look how it ends. And God granted his request. Prayer is not just this empty exercise of speaking out into the void. And because we do it, we become better people because we understand ourselves better. Prayer is actually accessing the throne of God. The God who has the ability and the desire to move mightily in our behalf. And he does it. I got one last thing not from Jabez's prayer, that I want to encourage you to as we talk about praying for more. I want you, number six, to pray for more blank. Pray for more blank. What's the blank? That's up to you. See, Jabez cried out for more of what he needed. More of what was in his heart. And I think we can learn a lot from his prayer. I think we can access each of those five things. And I think there's power in praying for each of those five things. That's why I'm teaching you this. That's why I believe God recorded this and passed it down to us to know the exact words that he prayed. But I also think God wants to hear from your heart. What do you want more of? God, I need more anointing. God, I need more peace. God, I need more direction. God, I need more power. When I pray, God, I need more boldness to share you. God, I need more opportunities. What do you need? What do you want? What's in your heart? I believe that God wants to hear the cry of your heart. So I just put pray for more. Only you can answer what that is. Only you can articulate that. Here's what I believe. I believe God actually puts desires in your heart. In fact, it's says this in Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourselves in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you're really far from God right now, those desires in your heart may not be from God. But the more that you're leaning in, the more that you're praying and praying more and praying for more and listening more and praying in the spirit more, the more that you're walking this stuff out, 
the more that those desires are going to come to the surface of your heart that are from him. You're going to begin to yearn for those things and, and hunger for those things and desire and long for those things. Tell him. Open your mouth. Say, God, I want to see you move this way. God, I want to see you do this. God, I need this in my life. Pray for more blank. When I was a kid, my mom used to take us to the library, and one of my favorite books that I would get at the library was Choose Your Own Adventure books. Anybody remember Choose Your Own Adventure books? A few of you, a few Gen X people. We're like the smallest generation, so there's like five of us. Um, but, but we did it. We read some Choose Your Own Adventure books, right? Um, and, and they were awesome. A choose-your-own-adventure book would just allow you to come to this certain spot in the story, and you'd make the decision. I want to do this, or I'm going to do this. And you had to turn to a certain page based on which adventure you chose. And one of them, you'd end up dead and be like, whoops, made the wrong call. Uh, and another one, you know, you'd, you'd make it through the story safely, whatever. Very morbid, but awesome books. I uh, enjoyed them very much. I believe God has a plan for your life. And God has a purpose for your life, but I also believe there's areas where God's just going to let you choose your own adventure. What matters to you? What breaks your heart? What, 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 what's on your heart? I believe those things matter to him. And if you'll begin to articulate those and, and get those out, I believe God's going to say, yeah, I want to get behind you. And if it's not for you, he's going to let you know. He's going to make it clear, you know what, this is not a piece of my plan. Maybe it's not a piece of my plan for this season. But he's not afraid to hear you ask. He's not afraid to hear you share what's on your heart. He already knows what you want. But he still says, you have not because you ask not. He wants to hear us. God of the universe who sits on the throne, who spoke everything into being out of nothing, wants to hear what's on your heart. What? That doesn't make sense. It's scandalous. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's true. He loves you so much. He's just waiting to hear from you. God's got this amazing capacity that the fact that you're taking up his time doesn't mean that I have any less opportunity to go before him. He's got this incredible omnipresence where he can be fully there for Lynn's prayer and fully there for Julie's prayer and fully there for Dee's prayer and fully there for my prayer at the same time. Take him up on it. Let's pray. Let's pray more. But in the name of Jesus, let's pray for more. Let's choose our adventure and put our requests before him and see what he can do with the people who pray for more. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me?